physically pass. You're his body. You're a member of the Lord. And to get a hold of that is what we as believers need to do. Because much of the time, our idea is I'm a member of New Life Tabernacle. I could say Pentecostal or Baptist, but I'll just say New Life Tabernacle. I'm a member of New Life Tabernacle Church. And, and of course you come here, so thank God you come here and we gather together here. But you're a member of His body. That's what you are. And I, and I make this statement, I've made this statement a number of times and recently. People say, what's my purpose? Well, if I understand I'm a member of His body, I can find my purpose is in Him. My purpose is to manifest Him. Whether I'm a preacher or not, I manifest the Lord in my daily living. That's my purpose. So if I'm like Brother Calvin, and Brother Calvin talks about it often, manifesting the Lord to those he works with, that's your purpose, is to know the Lord and manifest the Lord where you're at. In whatever office in the body he places you in, it... it it's, it's to manifest the Lord. And how I know my life after I realize I'm in Christ, how I know my life is to know Him. That's how I know my life. If I don't know Him, see, I'm mixed up. I could say I'm double-minded, but in, in either, either definition is probably right. I'm mixed up. And this is where, where a number of Christians walk is in mixture. And God hates mixture. He says in His Word He hates mixture. Because we're mixed up because we think, we make statements like, well, I'm just human. And they what Jesus said. Sorry. Jesus didn't give you that excuse to say, well, I'm just human. He didn't. And, and why we do that is we don't understand the Lord. You know. And as we understand the Lord, see, we come to a greater reality of Him and a greater walk of being a Christian. That's, that's really what it's about, is, is a constant awareness of the Lord. And in Matthew 16, where we've been, He said to them, He said, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they answered Him. Well, or he, he, I think He answered first. Well, some say, you're Elijah, or I guess they answered. Some say you're Elijah, some you're John the Baptist, or one of the prophets. But whom say ye that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, the Lord in my life, in my walk, many years ago now, 
he spoke in my heart and he said, Who am I? It's what he did to me. Who am I? And I, I can picture this. Because I threw all kinds of things, all that kinds of things come up in my heart. That I, religious things. But he spoke to me and he said, who am I? And I began to realize I really, really don't know that well, do I? And a beautiful process began, and this has been a long time ago for me now. He began to reveal himself in me. And he began to change my views on the Bible. But what remarkably began to happen is I begin to see his hand in my life. In the last few years, and you can't measure God by time, but I, I'll say this to you, the last few years of my walk with the Lord have probably been my greatest because I've seen him changing my heart. And I've wanted my heart changed. Has anyone ever wanted their heart changed? I've absolutely wanted it changed. And I've seen things in my heart disappear. And it come through the revealing of Him. I've come to peace. Peace that I walk in. I, I, I'm in rest. I'm in confidence in the Lord. I'm not trying to brag on me. It's what He's done in me. And that's available not just to me, it's available to his old body. And how that transpires is by knowing him. If I don't know him, that's not going to transpire because it, it then depends upon me to achieve. And the, and the sad part is I cannot achieve it of myself. And that's the part where religion comes in and religion tries to tell you, well, if you're just good enough, you'll get there. And it just won't happen. That's why there's, there's a story in the Bible, and I, and I use it often, and I'm going to use it this morning, uh, uh, of, of Mary and Martha, their sisters, and Jesus is coming to their house, and Mary becomes all... Bothered, I'll say. I'll use that. She becomes busy about. She wants everything right. She's got Jesus coming. So she's probably, if we, if we, if we, if we let her hair down a little bit this morning, she's probably, we got to clean the floors. We got to clean the table. We got to set out the best, you know, our best silverware. I don't know what they had then. Stoneware. It's got to look immaculate. 
Because Jesus is coming to our house. And he comes. And Mary just crawls up at his feet and sits down. And Martha remains busy about. In fact, I believe she goes to Jesus and says to Jesus, Look at Mary. I'm out here doing all this work. I'm serving all these people. But look at Mary. And Jesus tells her Mary chose the good thing. And sitting at the Lord's feet, coming to sit and hear Him speak. If I could impress everything I say to you, if I can impress anything in your heart, find a time of the day. For me, a lot of times it's early in the morning. I get up and I sit and get in the Word and sit before the Lord. Find a time. And sit and open His Word. Open it till He begins to speak. Till you begin to hear Him interpret His Word. He wrote it. Yeah, He wrote it through men, but He wrote it. He's the writer of it. So He probably knows what it means. And stay there till you hear Him speak. And when you hear Him speak, He'll define the book. He'll reveal Himself in you. And when you talk about joy unspeakable and full of glory, it won't just be words. It'll be reality of Him. And that's what you'll begin to see is the reality of this God that so many have placed so far away from them, but is actually in them. He'll become real. And, and that, that was the whole thing when Jesus said, Whom do you say that I am? Is that, that in that there's going to be this relationship that He defines who He is to you, in you, that you know who He is. And this isn't the, the, the first occurrence of this. Uh, when, when Moses was tending Jethro's flock and he sees the burning bush, what happens at the bush? What does God declare? I am that I am. Who, who do I say sent me? I am that I am. And then this God that declared Himself to be, I am that I am, I am because I am, I am who I am, began to define Himself in Israel. He began to be the God that dwelled in the midst of the Israelites. And He defined Himself in the names of Jehovah. And if you'll go through your Bible, you'll find... Many, many names of Jehovah. And one this morning I'm going to share a little bit with you. Just, just throw it out here. And Lord knows how, it, how you pronounce it. But Jehovah Mechodeskin. And I know I said that incorrect, Kathy. 
But it means the Lord who makes you holy, the Lord who sanctifies you. And see, all uh, most of us sitting in here this morning have wanted to be holy, sanctified, set apart. And who makes you holy is the Lord. That's who makes you holy. And we come to a little glimpse of this when we begin to understand that He's my righteousness, that I don't have righteousness at all. But as I get in His presence, and He begins to shift things in my heart and in my mind, He begins to sanctify me and make me His. An actual work of sanctification begins to happen in my life because He's in me. And he begins to make it real that, I'm, that, that not only do I want to be sanctified, you know, I begin to declare to the Lord, Lord, sanctify me holy. Holy, completely make me yours. Because, I'm, because I open my heart up and allow him access. Give him access to everything. And that's what I want to do. Everything. Just lay it all out with the Lord. That He may fully, wholly sanctify me to Himself. The church which is His body. The word sanctify means set apart. He would completely set me apart to Himself. Hallelujah. And that, that process is done through Him, through knowing the Lord. Not through religious activities. It's done through knowing the Lord. That we come to a place that we say, You're my God and, and I'm your people. That's what he did in Israel. He, made, he said, I will be your God and you shall be my people. That's sanctified. Set apart to the Lord. That's a definition of that name, Jehovah. Again, Mekadesh. Set apart to the Lord. I'm yours. And you're mine. And see, that's what God wants to do, define Himself in your heart. And see, Jesus declared Himself. He said, I am the Christ. Or, or Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, what, what did Jesus say of Himself? As we talk about the church which is His body, the fullness of Him. I'm going to read some, and we're going to look at maybe one in particular, but I'm going to read John 6. I'm just going to read some some notes to you. And in the coming weeks, we'll probably look at each of these. But John 6, I am the bread of life. This is what Jesus says of Himself. I am the bread of life. So if I know Jesus, I'm going to know the bread of life. I am the light of the world. If I know Him, I'm going to know light. Because He's light. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection 
and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Okay, these are these are seven, a lot of people say seven I am's of of Jesus Christ. There may be more than that in there, but they talk about the seven I am's of Jesus Christ. I'm gonna throw a couple more at you. In Revelation chapter 1, he says, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. In other words, I am the eternal one. So, here we go. This is who He is. This is who He says He is. You know, He asked them, Whom do you say that I am? Here's what, who He says He is. One place said, I am come, that you may have life and have it more abundantly. This is who He is. So, so as I begin to understand I'm His body, I should know who He is. So bread of life should be real to me. I should know what it means to eat the bread of life. That shouldn't be some mysterious thing the Lord says. It's more than just reading your Bible. It, it, part, it, is, it involves reading your Bible. But it's when it becomes alive by the Spirit of God, that's the bread of life. When the Spirit of God takes the Word and makes it alive, and you eat of it, you partake of it, you dine on it, you feast on it, you feast on what God is showing you, that is living bread. That's bread that will change you. It'll change your mind and your heart. That's the bread He is. He's the living bread. That's what I told them. Your, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. Now the difference in the bread they ate is if you eat this bread, you will live forever. I'm giving you a bread from heaven. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Glory to God. This is who we're dealing with. Personally. Personally. It's personal with you or should be. A personal relationship. And it becomes corporate like Sister Phyllis said. But it starts personally. So, so your relationship with Him is individual. And then it's expressed when we come together corporately. So when we come together there should be a corporate expression of Him that you have an individual personal relationship with.
So that's what our gathering should be about, is the corporate expression of our personal relationship. See, church, you know, the whole definition's mixed up. You come and get a little bit of God and you leave the next week. That is horrible to even think like that. But I've heard people say stuff like that. They come and they, like, like, you're, like you're getting gasoline. And then you go run out here like a car till you run low and you come back and you get your little supply of gasoline. Well, if he's my life, he's my life. If what Paul wrote is true, he's my life. So I'm not getting a little supply of Jesus that, that, that till next Sunday I can get a little bit more. See, that's just a bad definition. But see, unfortunately, we live in definitions. You know that? We don't understand how powerful words are. We really don't. See, here I am, I'm going to pick on something. I'll fly away, oh glory. Some glad morning when this life is over, I will fly away, oh glory. I was raised in that as a kid. I didn't know any better. I accepted it as the truth. I walked in it because I thought it was the truth. And I began to study. And I read the Apostle Paul, right? You are dead. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So your life was over at Calvary. He became your life in the new birth. And see, most Christians don't even understand that. He became your life. When you were born again, He entered your heart. That's what the new birth is, is Christ in you and you in Christ. That's new. That wasn't before. That's a new man and that old man died because of the power of Him. Because he crucified the old man. So that old man, so, so the definition has to change. The word of God has to define me. I have to get defined by the word of God to even understand who I am. And that's, and that's how I understand who I am is I have to understand who he is because he's my definition. I'm his body, remember? So if I don't understand who He is, then I'm going to have a poor definition of who I am. <laughs> would I not? I would think so. If I'm His body, if I'm a member of His body, I better understand who He is because that then defines me. He's my definition. Well, bless God. That should excite us. That's what Apostle John says, as he is, so are we in this present world. But see, if I don't know how he is, neither do I know how we are. So my heart needs to come to the term that I'm after knowing how he is. 
That's what I have to come to. How are you, Lord? So when I come there, he's probably going to wreck maybe everything I thought was right. That's what he did to the woman at the well. He wrecked her ideas. And he didn't compromise with her. It's like the man with the sword in his hand with... uh, with Joshua, he didn't compromise with Joshua and say, okay, Joshua, you're right, honey. He didn't do that. Joshua says, whose side are you on? He said, I have come as captain of the Lord's host, Joshua. And Joshua fell at his feet. See, see, this is it. He doesn't compromise with us. He loves us. But He's not going to compromise with our ideas. He has His own idea. He has His own mind. And He's going to bring us into His mind. In fact, Paul says we have the mind of Christ. So God's very own mind is going to be made known in us according to what Paul said. His very own will. So, so here we come. Here comes Jesus to the woman at the at the well, or or he's sitting on the well, and the woman comes to him to draw water. And she tells Jesus, "What? We worship God in this mountain. We got our own way of worship. <laughs> we got it down over here in Samaria." And you Jews, you worship God over there. What Jesus didn't say is, well, bless God. You got your way, and we got ours. So he didn't compromise with her. And he's told her, he said, the true God is from Jerusalem. So he even cut off Samaria. He said, said, you don't even know what you worship. Now you're talking about controversial. That was a controversial statement. You don't know. But then he goes further and says, but now is the time. When the true worshippers shall not worship the Father in this mountain, nor will they worship Him in Jerusalem. Why was it now the time? Because Jesus was there. And a new day was standing in front of them. A whole new day had come where the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So he's going to wreck your religion, I guarantee you. And thank God he wrecks a religion. So it's easier just to come to him and say, Lord, you know how religious I am. Here, wreck it. I give it to you. Just go ahead and tear it up. 
because I don't know you're right. I ain't saying you haven't experienced him. It's how we experience him. You, you know, we, we experience him, and usually what, what we did when we experienced the Lord is then we went into our own little group. And that's, that's why I say sometimes people, people get in these ideas, well, I believe in once saved and always saved. Well, I don't. And I want to say to them both, who cares what you believe? That sounds mean, but that's what I want to say. I want to say, you know, I, I ain't in either one of those camps. I haven't really got it all figured out, brother. If you want to know the truth, I haven't really got it all figured out. I'm waiting on him to show me, if you want to know the truth. When he shows me, I'll accept it. But for right now, you can take that once saved, always saved camp, and you can just... You can just be in that camp if you want to, but I'm going to jump over here in the Jesus camp and allow Him to show me. Because you can take... It's, it's like this one fellow wants to communicate with me on, on Facebook and he, he called me a preterist. And he wants to talk about being Arminian or uh, uh, what's Calvinist. Well, I'm not a Calvinist. I'm kidding with Brother Calvin. But he wants to talk about this stuff. And, and, I, and, I, and I said to him, I said, I'm not a preterist or I'm not a futurist. I'm neither one. Because, because they want to put you in a camp and say, well, here's the camp. Every time you put God in a camp, I'm going to tell you what He's going to do to that camp. He's going to tear it up. He's bigger than all these camps. He's bigger than all of them. And to your face that He's bigger than all of them. You, 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 you know, because we, we like camps because we get comfortable and we find people that, that believe what we believe. So let's just go and get a camp. Find people that, that believe what we believe. But see, God wants us to believe what He shows us. In fact, I had someone recently... Say something like, don't you think that's dangerous? That you think you're hearing from the Lord? And I want to say, well, do you think, you, you know, I, I should have said it to him. Do you think it's dangerous that you're listening to a bunch of Bible scholars that may have been wrong? So you want to tell me that it's dangerous to hear from the Lord that I need to get orthodox. Because that, that's what... That's, see, this is what man does. And so, so Jesus comes along, comes along and says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You thought... You thought the way was Judaism. See, when he said he's the way, what did they think the way was? The law. And he comes and he says, no, that's not the way. I'm the way. What does he say there? This was where I was going this morning. The way to what? What's he the way of? John 14. He says, In my Father's house are what? Many mansions, according to the translation. Many abodes. Many dwelling places. 
And then he tells them, I go to prepare a place for you. That's what he says. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. So I'm going to prepare a place, and, and you know, I, I know what people have done with that scripture. He's going to prepare a place. He's been preparing a place for 2,000 years. Well, God said, and the world was. Don't think it would have taken him 2,000 years. Because he spoke, and stuff appeared out of nothing. You realize that? So, so where he was going was the cross. I go to prepare a place for you because you could not come. That's why there was a veil in the temple of God because they were veiled away from the presence of God. You could not come in there because of your carnal mind, because of sin, because of you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there, you may be also. Not where he, he didn't even say where I'm going to be. He said where I am. Where I am, you may be also. Now I taught on this a few weeks ago. And he tells them, and flip over to John 14. This, this is powerful what Jesus says. John 14, verse 9. Jesus is talking to Philip. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Look at verse 10 real close. Believest thou not that I am in the Father? Okay. And the Father, where did he say the Father was? In me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth, we're at, in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the work's sake. Now see, he said, I'm going to receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Here he tells them where he's at. I am in the Father. And the Father's in me. See, that wasn't that he was in a different physical location. He was in a different spiritual location. He was in a different man. He was heavenly. That's what he said. And they were earthly. That was, that was the condition here. They were carnal and he was spiritual. They were of the earth. And he was saying God was his Father. That was the condition with Christ. 
God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That was the whole condition. That's the whole condition of man. His man is outside of God by natural birth. He is not in God. And Jesus said that where I am there, you may be also. So, so he's dealing with the people to come to where he is. He's in God. God's in him. That's what he's declaring. I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. That's where he's at. Now that's what the scripture declares. And then he comes down here in verse 16. And he's, and he's having the same conversation that starts at the beginning. And, and, and he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it saith him not. Neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I don't know how much plainer this could really be. He dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. Who was dwelling with him? Jesus was. He said he's, he was dwelling with them. He said, He dwelleth with you and shall not be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world see me no more. But you see me, because I live, you shall live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. And see, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So how did you get into the Father? By him. Because he come and received you to himself. When he come to dwell in you, he brought you to where he was. And received you to himself that you would know where he's at. I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Glory to God. In fact, he goes on down here and he, and he says, He that hath my commandment and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. I will show myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not a scared, Lord, how is it you will manifest yourself to us and not into the world? See, here's, here's, the, here's the issue that's out in Christianity right now. You get in this conversation right here, and here's what people will begin to say. How will he manifest to you and not to the world? Judas asked Jesus that. And Jesus answered him. I love that. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode, our house, our mansion. It's the same word. If you look up the Greek translation, you look up the Greek word, you'll find out this word abode and that word mansion are the same words. It's not a different word. My Father and I will come and make our abode, our dwelling place with you. With Him. 
That's how He's going to manifest Himself to you and not to the world. Because He's going to come and make His abode with you. That's what He says. And He says, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's that sent me. So, so we, we, so see, He's the way to the Father. And how we get to the Father is through His death, burial, and resurrection. Because we're raised up together, according to the Apostle Paul. We're quickened together with Him. Flip over to Ephesians 2. We'll, we'll stop here today, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. He says, And you have He quickened who were dead. You were dead, but now you're alive. See, right there, right there you should see the cross. You were dead, but now you're alive. You have been quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among also whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh, for fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, made us alive together with Christ. So here's our definition. We're made alive with Him. Not made alive separate from Him. Because we can't come to life but by Him. So we're made alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And not only are we made alive and are what? Raised up together. You are raised up together. That means as one. And not only are you raised up together, and made us sit together. He did what? Made us sit together. Now does that literally mean I'm sitting? All the time? No. No, it means He brought me into the authority of God. The authority of Christ. He's my head. I'm seated with Him, Paul says. So He made us. He made us alive with Him. So, so your life is Him. He raised us with Him. So your resurrection is Him. And, uh, and He seated us with Him in heavenly places. Has anybody ever noticed that the word places is italicized in their 
Bible, it doesn't matter which translation I don't think you have. Does anybody know why they italicized the words? Anybody? Because it's not there. It didn't make sense to them when they interpreted it because he said that you're raised up in heaven in him. And because, because most minds, according of, of what heaven is, that's... <laughs> see, you're quickened with him, you're made alive with him, you're raised with him, you're seated with him in heavenly places, and the heavenly places are in a particular place, in Christ Jesus. The heavenly place, what, Sister Sheila? Very well could be. That's something for you to ask the Lord. Is this, is this what people are talking about, being called up together? See, if you're raised together, seated together, wouldn't you be called up together in the clouds with the Lord, or in the air? If you're raised together and seated together with Him? Is that a catching up? Up? He's heavenly. See, up and down in the Bible doesn't necessarily mean you know, she'll open a can of worms, but there's a good can of worms. Up and down. I think Brother Stanley used to say this. If not, he can correct me. But people used to, used to say, you, you know, this is all natural what I'm going to say. I'm going to take it off the recording. We're done as far as the recording. But I'm going to chat with you. Sheila, ask a really good question. Up and down in your Bible. And somebody used to say this. It may have been Brother Stanley. It may have been me. I probably said it too. If Jesus come out of the sky right here, what would the people in China see who's at the bottom of underneath us? Have you ever thought about it? Which way's up to the... You, you know, China and the United States, if you take... I, at least I think if you take a globe... You go around the globe, up to China, maybe down to us. Have you ever thought about that in the globe? If, if, you, if you think of things just, and I'm just being silly a little bit, but if you think of things naturally. See, up and down to God dealt with two men. My ways are higher, God said, than your ways. That didn't mean he was way up in the sky. His ways are higher, his mind is higher, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he tells us our thoughts are carnal. So when I first get saved, I get introduced to the supernatural God. Who's ever been saved and been introduced to the supernatural God? Been born again. All at once you had something happen inside of you that was beyond you. It was supernatural. You're born again. So you begin to walk as a born again believer. And you begin to read this book. And you try to understand it by your own mind. Right? So you read it and you, you, and you read that Jesus is coming again. 
I, I absolutely believe he's coming again. But it's how he's coming. But how is he coming is the question. That's the question. And that question you have to answer with the Lord. It has to become personal with you. You can just say, well, I, I, don't, I, I won't believe that. And that's, and that's fine. If you do, you do. But when he gets real personal with you, I'm telling you, then you have to sit with him and say, Lord, you show me what you mean by coming. You show me. And then let him. Let him. And when he begins to show himself to you, because that's what Jesus said, says, I'm going to manifest myself. You know, Judas said, how are you going to manifest yourself to us and not to the world? He said, because I'm going to come and I'm going to make my abode with you. I'm going to live in you. I'm going to dwell in you, walk in you. And that's what Paul said. He's going to dwell in us and he's going to walk in us and he's going to be our God. And we're going to be his people. And him coming in you is a big deal. Because now he's going to make himself known. See, because Peter and them didn't even know him, according to flesh, he told them. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He even told them, he said, I've got things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. Because you're going to have to bear them by the Spirit. You're going to have to know them by the Spirit. And I know what, what I teach and believe, I know it's controversial.